Good morning and good morning, welcome good morning. back to the Daily Thread. So I um, actually slept with my parents in Yom Kippur because I davened by a shul nearby. Oh, that was you? Oh, okay. And I had a little bit of a, a situation six minutes before Kol Nidre. Yeah, what happened? I had purchased a new kittel, or my brother-in-law oh, purchased oh, a new kittel oh. for me because I misplaced my kittel oh, previously. Oh, so the story changes. I thought you, the way I heard the story is you went into the store, you asked for a medium, and you came back with a no, extra large. So I, no, I asked my <laughs> brother-in-law to get me large. a medium. Oh, I and he him. did, And he did get me a medium. Oh, that was a medium? It was a medium. And medium I put on, long. I put on a kittel, I put on the kittel like four minutes before Kol Nidre. Yeah, that's good timing, yes. And I look like a Shabbos Abba in playgroup. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were the Shabbos Abba this week. <laughs> <laughs> it looked it looked uh, ridiculous. It looked like I was, I don't know, how bad did it look? Well, you everyone, know. Everyone was trying to like, you know, play it down and calm me down. Yeah. But how bad did it actually look? Well, listen, if you look at it this way, if you have a growth spurt, how old are you, 27? If you have a yeah. growth spurt, uh, then uh, it'll fit just uh, just fine. But uh, otherwise, uh, I think you need a new one for uh, the next time you're going to use it. When's the next time you're going to use it? Pesach, right? No, Chabad doesn't wear kittles on Pesach. You know that. Yeah, but if you want to, so you don't get your shirt. You dirty. wear a kittle on Pesach? I wear, you know, listen. Not I loyal. Wear, I wear Not loyal. I, wear, I don't want to get the, my shirt dirty, so I wear a kittle on Pesach. So you think a, a doctor wears a white coat for? So everyone should know he's a doctor. Okay. That's why I get his clothes dirty. They, get in, they go to medical school, medical school for eight years to get the white coat. That's why they wear the white coat. Listen, you could sell ice cream and get a white coat too. It's true. It's yeah. also a lot cheaper. <laughs> you, or you could be a butcher. Uh, you could be a mashkiach in a butcher shop. You hear that, you kids? Wear a white coat. You hear that, kids? You could just sell ice cream and get the white coat. So Yom Kippur reflections. Long day, but you know what? It was a shorter day than than general, like generally it is because yeah, it's later in the shorter, year, half hour shorter. As a matter of fact, for the first time in a very long time, you know, usually in, in Eretz Yisrael they change the clock uh, before uh, before um, Yom, Yom Kippur. Kippur. Yeah, I, I look at this man, uh, and it's usually the hours almost uh, the fiesta ends almost an hour earlier in Israel than it does here in New York, and I uh, by us it ended at seven eleven with this man. Officially last night, yesterday. 7-11? p.m. I thought it was 7-15. No, it was 7-11 p.m. And uh, in Eretz Yisrael, it was 7-21 p.m. Oh, wow. So, uh, so much for that. I know, but you know, there's a moment where you're sitting in shul, and it's uh, it's around, you're hitting that, that 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock wall, complete wall, and you're thinking, oh, wow, you know, someone sitting next to me, uh, his name is Dovi Mayer, he's from uh, Australia, he said in Australia, it's over already. Yeah, listen, it. Um, I botched that accent. Uh, two Sorry. things I'd say about yesterday. It, it was a difficult day. Number one, number two, it's supposed to be a difficult day. Is it? So it was a good day. Yes, you're supposed to. I don't want to say the, the proper translation, not to torture yourself, but uh, it's supposed to be um, a dramatic. Uh, <laughs> listen, I for the first time in my life, you know, there was a moment where I I davened by Kalmavakshish and Rabbi Yossi Zakatinsky. And there was a moment before going to Mincha where I was planning on maybe going to a different shul for Mincha because I know that maybe the shul I daven in will go a little bit over time. Right. I don't know if I can handle that, but you know, I decided I'm going to go push myself and go there for Nila. Yeah, and it was, time. it was the most beautiful, it was the most beautiful thing. And I'll show a video right now for those who are watching. If you're listening, you'll hear it. And in that video, you kind of just see, 
you know, what took place there. Um, how the videos were taken, KMH consists of, I don't know, maybe like 30 Hatsala members who okay. have, their sh- have their phones on them. And once <laughs> it's after the Zman, you know, yeah. they... Once um, after the Zman, it's Yom Kippur, and uh, they just turn the phones it, on. It's, it's Yom Kippur is over, so... Uh-huh. They took some videos. KMH might be the only shul in the world that they they need to make an announcement. C. Mandel told us to me they might need to make an announcement not to bring not to use your phones during the ila. Uh huh. Well, if you have to use your phone, you have to use it. You have to use you, it. You have to use it, like you said. There's thirty house solo members. There is. Know. There is, and I mean, they uh, they really shouldn't be concentrated all in one place like that. They should be scattered around right? the community. There probably. are shul, there are definitely shuls that don't have members or enough members. Uh, by the way, I read last night that uh, United Hatzalah in Eretz Yisrael yeah. uh, treated 2,700 people over Yom Kippur. Is that uh, Different places, wow. different things. You know, it's a big country. You talk about 9 million Jews. That's that's wild. You know, here in the five towns, only it looks like there's 9 million Jews, but it's really not. That's wild. Well, one one person remarked to me, I was speaking to an Hatzalah member on Yom Kippur, and he told me, you know, it's been Baruch Shem pretty quiet, but usually 3 to 6 p.m. on that's Yom Kippur is, is when... You know, well, it gets a little bit, the call volume gets a little higher. Well, you had that in Israel, right? Yeah, definitely. You had it with Prime Minister Netanyahu. Yes. On yep. your list of things to bring up, I Yeah, think. Prime Minister Netanyahu, who was fasting, and he was in the great synagogue. Right. And he was taken to Shari Tzedek Hospital complaining with chest pains. Right. Um, as we see an LL flight. Right over oh, there yeah. in the distance. You see one? Oh, you could see that LL? I'm pretty sure I could see that LL. Wow, I can't see that. I mean, I see the plane. I don't see the LL insignia, but I think planes are going to be leaving every couple of hours today. You know, yeah. But Netanyahu is fine. He, he's, he was out of the, out. he's out of the hospital, but he was fasting and uh, he, like like the rest of us. And he he's, he's 72 years old. Yeah, he is 72. You know? uh, I think he's 72. He's 72 for a while. A lot of life experience, a lot of stress. Listen, you know, I, I, when you get older, um, uh, I think that uh, in the course of Yom Kippur, um, I think it's if you don't know your body better, you could imagine you having a heart attack about four or five times. Oh yeah, is that what happens in the, at course, a, is that what, in the course of the day? Is that what happens at a certain age? You know, you no, know, it's just uh, you're you're used to certain things. You have to first of all, you have to have your coffee in the morning, and you don't have coffee in the morning. Right. That 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 manifests itself in you know a lot of different types of discomforts. Anyway, you're talking about the LL flight that we saw over there in this beautiful blue sky today for the first yes. time in five days. Baruch Hashem. Ooh. But we had Hurricane Ian here, I think, longer than Florida. I think we had, no, we had a real Hurricane Ian moment. Before we get on to the next topic, I walked out of the house heading to Mincha Yom Kippur, and I felt like, first of all, it was so, it was so like, auspicious because as we're landing Mafter Yonah, the skies opened up, yeah, and it's cold outside, and it's thundering and lightning, and it's like, what right. is going on here? And right. my kittel became like... <laughs> see-through because yeah. it got soaked in my yeah. socks because wearing slides and no one's wearing leather shoes everyone's no, wearing these dis- cloth made shoes the water goes right through a little bit of a disaster you step in one puddle and you don't even get halfway dry until you know way after myrif you know yeah it was it, w- it was uh the the logistics weren't good they weren't good but we pulled through we well, like you said uh, you're talking about the LL fl- flight over there in the yeah. distance that you saw a few seconds ago uh, I know today flights are leaving every two hours. To, every two to, hours to Israel. Wow, El Al flights. There's also United going, Delta's going, American is going. That's more. That's more than. Uh, that's more than what usually happens. Usually, I feel like there's like four, three, four flights a day. Well, you know, you know I visited the El Al headquarters it's under a new ownership. You know, of Kenny Rosenberg for a couple of years now. Good old Kenny. And um, did you have him on here? I didn't. 
on a meaningful okay, people, but maybe God we, willing. Maybe we should appeal to him if he's listening or any of his people are listening to Definitely should. put him in touch with Nachi at yeah, Nachi Gordon at what's Listen, your email address? Oh, we're, we're giving out my, you can do Nachi at MeaningfulMinute.org. Nachi and Listen, it's, it's just a matter of time until the daily threat is on LL flights. Yes. You know, on the uh, entertainment I think system. so. I think so. We could, we could discuss the programming on the LL flights. I did fly LL early July and, um, um, anyway, a year ago, I'll tell you about the programming some other time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, about a year ago, I was at the LL headquarters uh, in um, at Ben Gurion Airport. They have beautiful offices, beautiful executive offices. Uh, so anyway, I got to know some of the hierarchy, and uh, one of them used to live here in Cedarhurst. Actually, mm-hmm. he worked for Kenny Rosenberg uh, in another capacity previous to him buying LL. Uh, oh, his name is Omri Cohn. He lived in um, one of those streets there in Cedarhurst. I texted him, I said to him, what is the latest flight, because, you know, Elal's not flying on Shabbos and Yontif, I said, what is the latest flight leaving from New York to get there on time for Sukkot? And he told me that this Saturday night there's a flight from JFK at 10.45 p.m. Hmm. So according to my calculation... What time does that get there? It's a 10 and a half hour flight. You should be landing uh, with a seven hour differential uh you should be landing there at 4 15 p.m that is really cutting it close okay. and uh, that so we're talking about a 6 p.m candlelighting yontif is about 6 6 to 6 30 somewhere i'm not sure what you it should lime it's it's not earlier know, maybe you could maybe you could look it up when you have a chance to post it up here you know yeah time. right <laughs> over here right over here right over here what time candlelighting is you can insert it you know yeah into the not thing. for the people who are listening for the people who are watching right it's between 6 and 6 30 so you get to ben Gurion at 4 15 you gotta get your you, luggage you, you probably if you're on that flight either, either you're not observing yontif number one there's plenty of israelis in the united states i know but i i think so the question really really the question begs itself is how many from Jews are hopping on that last flight, 10.45 well, p.m.? You know what? And why? You wanna, I was thinking this morning, maybe you and I should go to the airport Saturday night to Terminal 4, <laughs> to El Al. You bring your camera. Let's take a look. Let's see who's going. You know, you could conceivably walk into your apartment. If you go into a hotel, it's less of a problem. Right, you just you know, the only variable here. You is know, it takes time to get through border control, but you, get through the customs. You, you could be assured that uh, the flight's going to leave on time, because the second the flight takes off. You know exactly what time you're landing. There's no traffic. There's no double parked cars like on Central Avenue. Yeah. You know, you know that exactly what time you're going to be landing in um, in Ben Gurion. I don't and know. If you don't have luggage, if you who's going who's going to who's going to Israel without luggage for Sukkot? Somebody that uh, maybe lives there. You know, and has luggage there already. I don't know. Has an apartment there and has all their stuff there. Uh, well, I don't know. The luggage people got to really uh, step it up, I guess. You get your luggage out, but you conceivably could walk in to your hotel or your home, I would say, depending on where you live. Uh, to get to B'nai Brock from Ben-Gurion is like 20 minutes. It's 1040. So, okay, so maybe, I don't know, maybe we will head to we'll head to JFK on, on Saturday night. Saturday night, 10.45 p.m. They're going to board. Well, that's when the flight leaves. Well, they're going to board 10. Let's, get, let's go at 9. Can you do it? Can you make well, it this Saturday maybe, night? Maybe, maybe. We'll, 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 we'll give our listeners an update. Look at this. You'll have, you'll have a whole show. Yeah, we're gonna have to do this one day. And and just for just if you're curious how this is gonna end up, you can uh, go ahead and follow Meaningful Minute on Instagram and on WhatsApp status. That's five one six 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 eight seven eight zero zero. You can just send a message on WhatsApp saying subscribe. You'll see the WhatsApp status, and 
you'll see whether or not we make it to. You know what? You could even show up at the airport yourself. But yeah, no, don't show up at the airport unless you're on that flight. Yeah. No. Let, let us go for you. Yeah, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. Let you we'll know. go ahead. We'll There's go. No for reason you. to leave Saturday night. Speaking uh, of speaking of people, you know, flying to Israel now, and we we all know a lot of people are there right now. Um, I find it extremely stressful. For you know, I'm in Shul Yom Kippur. I'm fasting, feeling like garbage. Baruch a good faster, but still, no one feels you know too good. And there's a number of people who are running home, grabbing a bite. Right. Their luggage is already right. packed, right. and they're heading to the airport and heading on a flight. I'm assuming it's a midnight flight. Oh uh, yeah, probably. Well, so last night you have to over seven fifteen, seven. Okay, 20, but in a shul yeah. like where I dive in, people did not get out of there before eight p.m. Well, you don't have, you don't have to dive in at KMH if you're on a flight that night. Well, I know. I think there are people in KMH who were heading on, heading to Israel. To, I know there are people in KMH who are heading to Israel to, last night, and they had to. I don't know. I just to me, Listen, there's nothing more stressful uh, than making trying to run and catch a flight. I know you ran late, but where I dive in that congregation, base parish in Lawrence, <laughs> we finished early. I know, but again, like and I'm we just to, saying, and we had to sing. We I think regardless, to, we had to sing. I know people like to hear about the old days at the uh, at 770 Eastern Parkway, uh, but very, very often they finished early in 770, and they had to the sing, Rebbe, in the Rebbe's minion, and they had to sing Napoleon's March until the Zman arrived. Yeah, the Napoleon's, Napoleon's March, March goes. Go. Well, you play Napoleon's March, you'll find it online. I'm not going to sing it. Why not? It's a it's a niggin. Oh, yeah. I don't you know, know that? No. That's Napoleon's March. You could get up on Google. Okay. Better rendition of that. That's another thing, by the way. It's not on your list for today, but it's some within the Gunham, you know. I love I don't know. I again shout out to Pinky Friedman, Joey Newcomb. Incredible, incredible Davini. Well, I wasn't there, but you know, I, I'm used to the Nagunam from from, uh, from Chabad from yesteryear. From where I Davin from the time I was five till I moved when I was twenty three or twenty four when I got married and moved out of Crown Heights. But um you know, those Nagunim were so, so heartsick. And, you know, Ki Anu Amecha, I heard the same tune 15 times yesterday. Ki Anu Amecha. That's the only one they know. What's the one you know? Ki Anu Amecha Ve'yata Elekeinu. Oh, come on. Okay, I, I hear that. What no. about the Duchening? Nachi, please, we're going into Sukkot. People go, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, we, we, we yeah, didn't do that. Oh, uh, yeah, what's the one? What's the one group? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that's in a Vremel, you know? That's Duchening. That's the song they say. That's that's the song that was sung in the base of Migdash. Are you sure? Are no, you I'm not sure. Should we fact check that? You could you fact you Google that, okay? Okay, so we're gonna have to go ahead and fact check that. Uh, but you I know, think it precedes the existence of Google. So you know, I there are, I hear no. You know what? But no one's open. No, you know, no one's open. There are. To, there are what I love is there are a lot of. No one's open to New Nagunim. I mean, not the oh. New Nagunim, but the same ones over and over again. You're you're. And then it's, first of all, people are open to new Nagunim. I'm not people are not open to the Nagunim of maybe yesteryear, the ones that are from, you know, 30, 40 years ago that you want. You know, I'm not talking about nostalgia in terms of Nagunim. I'm talking about good ones versus not good ones. Oh. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. I don't know. About. Where I dove in the Nagunim were amazing. Even Pinky Freeman did. Maybe he, he did. He did, you know, Daddy Deer from, I think it's MBD. I don't know that one. He did at the beginning of Mincha. It was beautiful. Let me tell you something. For for, for a lot of years, by the way, you know, uh, not lately, but uh, for a lot of years, I used to go on Shminia Terrace to uh, Yeshiva Shoyashiv. You know? Okay. Where uh, Natalia 
Rosh Yeshiva. And I was in high school with Rabbi Yeager. He was a senior in high school. I was when I was a freshman. Okay. Uh, and um, the only time the place would get excited uh, was was when they would sing Labavachina Gunam to Hallel. And the place would be jumping. Until yeah. then, it was like half asleep. I think the the most... No, I'm, not, I'm not partial. I'm not prejudiced. I think a little bit. You're a little partial and prejudiced. I don't think so. I, I think yeah. the number one, the number one Chabad niggin that's used around the world is who Alekeinu. Who Alekeinu. The Rebbe used to introduce a new niggin by bringing every Simchus Torah. Every Simchus Torah? Yes. Were yeah. you there when he introduced that one? I, I wasn't. I was uh, like, uh, I don't know. I think it was 1964, 65. And my father was at the Fabrangan, and he would—he went to Hakafas. I was too young, uh, but my father went to Hakafas, which used to go to three, four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was preceded by a probably preceded by Fabrangan. It was that day or the next day when the Rebbe introduced a new niggin. And I remember my father sleeping on the couch because he didn't want to disturb anybody when he came in at three or four o'clock in the morning. And I went to him in the morning, you know, and I shook him by the shoulder. I said, "Dad, what's what's the new niggin?" And he was like half asleep, and he said. That's the first that's amazing. time. That's the first time I heard it. That's a story. What did they? That's why I'm telling it. To what you. did they sing? <laughs> what did they sing before that was introduced? I don't know. I don't know. Faratsta is a nigga, and uh, I don't know. Oh, she has There's a lot. There's a lot of very famous very things. Anyway, the, the point this, is this segment of the podcast is is for Bal Bali Tula. Which, by the way, I just want to. I know I'm going a little out of order. My U Rock person of the day. Yeah, who's that? Bali Tula. Like Pinky Freeman, Joey Newcomb, the people, because honestly, it's a sacrifice. It's not well, easy. You know what? I walked into Shul for Kol Nidre, and I, and I think many people can relate to this. You are you just drank gallons of water. You tried to stuff your face as much as possible. And there are people who are getting up there to daven for three hours for the Amud. It's Well, it's we have incredible. a very, very, by, by Bayerish, by base Bayerish. Uh, the one of the main Balei Tfila is uh, Shmuley Luchtenstein, yeah. you know, um, our rabbi friend uh, uh, of ours, and he davens yesterday. He davened uh, Shacharis and Nila, and he also lanes. Okay, and blow chauffeur. So you know, he's a few feet away from me. He's a utility player. He's a few. You know, he's a he's a he's a cleanup hitter, as far as I'm concerned. But he he davened he davened uh, he davened yesterday. Um, Shachris and uh, Neila, and then he laned. He's the Balkore also, so he laned. He davened um, Anila, and and then after all that, after all that time, he blew the chauffeur uh, at the end of, of the service. So, I I said to him last night. I texted him last night. I said, "You must be exhausted." Yeah. He always wrote back to me the following. He said, "No, no." <laughs> you go to sleep, you wake He's up. Exhausting. Next, He's exhausting. It's, ex- it's exhausting. So that's the, the sacrifice that I think Bali Bali Tfila make in general. Um, well, they get paid well too. I know. So hey, listen, everyone gets paid. The to guys do at KMH get paid too. I'm assuming, right? Um, yeah, I imagine. I imagine, but still, it's nonetheless. It's the again. It's still a, it's still a sacrifice. You're sacrificing. Your own, uh, your own avida in a way. It's a it's a profession, you know. I know I know guys that are making twenty to thirty thousand dollars for davening, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Not uh, not in your shul, not of course not by Bayrish, but is uh, it is it inappropriate to discuss the sale of Elias? No, do they sell them by you? Oh yeah, we don't. They don't sell them by us. We're like a uh, 
We're like, uh, like a country club. We're like uh, like the New York Mets, privately owned. You know, like they say, like in uh, in like Camp Ask, you, you go to the soda machines. Mm. You just hit any; they're all free. Just hit a soda. Hit a, that's that's by that's where you dive in. Elias well, are just giving out. Listen, I, I don't want to get personal, but it's, it's a beautiful minion that we have. Yeah, shout out to the Fuchs's Barry Fuchs. It started it started as an outdoor minion. Started during, during COVID. COVID, and it's one of the. Uh, it's one of the great things that come out of COVID, I got to tell you. You know, Rabbi Zakatinsky spoke before, spoke before Neila, and one thing he said that he like, I had no strength before, before I yeah. was, I, again, I hit another wall during Mincha, and yeah. uh, one, one thing he had said is he said over a story of the Berdichever, mm-hmm. the, the Berdichev, I don't know, Berdichev, and he said that there was a, a Moscow that was... He didn't believe in Amuna Batachan. He had he would always mm-hmm. he would go town to town and fight different Rabbanim and fight different Rabbanim on what they believe. And um, he came to the Berdichev and he was in the waiting room and the Berdichev was in his office and he knew he knew he was there. He yeah. Came out of his office and he he screamed at the Moscow. He said, "But maybe it's true." And he slammed the door and went back into his office. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Zakatinsky urged everyone. He said, "Right now." When we when when Joey says Ashray, when he starts Neila, the whole day Yom Kippur, you're in you're in the special room with no Satan, with no Yitzhar, you're in a special room. But once Ashray starts, Hashem puts you back into the room with the Satan. Why? Because you're supposed to take what you learned, the inspiration that you had, and you're supposed to use it. And he said that we're about to say Ashray. What you need to do is scream like the Berdichev. Open the door. And scream every single word and don't even let the Moscow speak. The Berdichev knew once the Moscow starts speaking, then all of a sudden there's Cheshbainais. And once you let the Moscow in your own head start speaking, there's Cheshbainais and what, this, that. Don't even let. I saw something. And, and, then, and then Joey Newcomb got up there. Yeah. And from the beginning, every single word was, Rabbi Zakatinsky said, yell and lose your voice. And if you feel like you're going to pass out, don't worry. We have plenty of Hatzalah members here. Yeah. Pass out. But use all you have yeah. and yell, yell, uh-huh, yell. Uh-huh. And it was beautiful. I saw, so I saw something posted last night on the KMH WhatsApp group. Yeah. Lubavitch Rebbe. Not, not, not Rabbi Zagatinsky's Fabrengen last night, but uh, where it says that... Uh, the, the gates... Uh, Rebbe said the gates... Uh, I'll Neila, put the quote over the here. Gates, the, gates, the gates in Shemayim are closing... But we're on the inside. Yes, yes, it's true that the gates that uh, the gates to Shemaim close at Neila, but you are on the inside. So I, I was Mertz yesterday. Hashem. Yesterday during the on Yom Kippur during the break, I was reading an article in the Jerusalem Post uh, by Stuart Weiss, who's a rabbi in Renana, Israel, mm-hmm. and it, it caught my attention because we were davening from you know eight o'clock in the morning till I guess it was two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And uh, I don't have the article here, but it says. Um, how do you know God's answering your prayers? How do you know? You're davening. You're davening your heart out. You're knocking yourself out. You're fasting. You know, you're sweating. You're crying. You're, you're uh, beseeching. How do you know he hears you? Right. You know, what's the proof? Uh, the truth of the matter is, there is no proof that God hears you. How do you know God hears you? Because, because your, your Rebbe in seventh grade told you that he hears you when you're davening. So, uh, Rabbi Weiss uh, Stuart Wise from Renana, he says that uh, the fact of the matter is whether Hashem hears you is a, a matter of amuna, okay? And the shorish of the word amuna is amen. 
and we're constantly constantly repeating amen, 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 yeshimei rabba, and so on and so forth. It's a way of hammering home and um, uh, and and convincing ourselves. Uh, and with faith, yeah, it's faith. It's pure faith that Hashem uh, hears your prayers. There's the proof. Yeah, and then there's another thing that I was reading before Yantef, before Yom Kippur uh, from Rabbi Nachman Kahana, who is the rabbi of the young Israel of the Temple Mount, believe it or not. Mm, okay. <laughs> the young Israel of the old city. Rabbi Nachman Kahana is the older brother of Rabbi Meir Kahana. Older brother. Yes. Uh, he's in his 80s today, but I had an opportunity to interview him a couple of times. Uh, in Israel, which should be a subject for uh, another time. But he wrote, he wrote, he he wrote about the um, what was it? What was the relationship between uh, between the uh, Kaddish Baruch Hu and Moshe Rabbeinu? What, what what was it that made him so attached to Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was a guy that was raised in Pari's house for twenty years. He didn't go to yeshiva. He had pretty much a secular or non-religious upbringing. Okay, then he became Moshe Rabbeinu. He, he had to separate from his wife Tzipora because of his close relationship to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. He was hoping that his sons, Gershon and Eliezer, would become his his successors. And he was told by Hashem, no, 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 Yoshua is going to succeed you. So what is it This is what is what it that connected them to one another? And uh, Rabbi Kahana says exactly that's what connected them so much. Great expectations and great disappointments. That's what they had in common. The Abish says, great expectations for Klal Yisrael. But time and time again, over the millennium, we disappointed him, you know? Mm. He took us to Har Sinai. He took us out of Mitzrayim with miracles. And time and again, we disappointed him by rebelling, by worshiping, uh, you know, other other deities. Uh, and so uh, this is what I think Rabbi Gahana is saying to put it in a nutshell and try to simplify it on a podcast, uh, is that uh, they both, both Moshe Rabbeinu and uh, Kaddish Baruch had great expectations and great disappointments. And this is what drew them to, to one another. Interesting. Yes, I Very. agree. Transitioning to our next topic, Chalamide, then and now. <laughs> Chalamide, then and now. Chalamide uh, is coming up. Parents, get ready. You're gonna. It's a short one. It's a it shorty, is, it is, it's a shorty you know, this year. For people who are not fond of Chalamite and the hustle and bustle and running from place to place, which is generally people over the age of 35, 40, um, then this year is for you because you know you have like a Wednesday, Thursday, then you have Shabbos, and mm-hmm. Sunday's already a Shana Rabbah, I think. And right, Erev Yontif again. So it, it, it is. Hook. It is a short. It is a short Chalamite, but there is still expectations. What are you going to be doing? With your children, how do you manage their expectations? That's really the question. Well, listen, you could always have something in common with Moshe Rabbeinu and Kaddish Baruch Hu and dis- disappoint them. Oh yeah, that you know, works. Then you'll be uh, all uh, be you'll be all connected. I saw an article in Mishpach the other week from Dr. Mayor Wickler, who's a psychologist, a therapist, right? And he said that the first year that he, you know, he went on a holiday trip with his kids. He said we're going to an amusement park, and they were very excited, and they went to this amusement park, and. You know, after a few hours there, they ran out of drinks. They went on a, ro- a bunch of rides already. They were exhausted. They, they, uh, him and his wife were burnt out. They said, okay, guys, we're going home. And the kids were crying. They were kicking and screaming. And the car ride home, everyone had a down, you know, their face was down. And then he looked into other cars and he'd see also other kids were disappointed. So, you know, he didn't feel like 
he blamed his kids. He felt like he did a mistake and he didn't manage their expectations properly. So he wanted to do an experiment. The next Cholamite, which was six months later on Pesach at that point, another amusement park. But he told them beforehand, each one of you are getting to go on four rides. We are not buying any drinks. We are not buying any any games. We're not buying any nosh. No, that's Pesach. No, but, you know, we're not buying anything. Four rides each, and then we go. And each of those kids planned which four rides they want to go on. And then, after they got to the amusement park, and the kids went on their four rides, him and his wife looked at each other and said, hey, you know what? It's still a little bit early. Each one of you can go on one more ride. And they were jumping from joy, ecstatic. You know, mm-hmm. let's get each mm-hmm. one of you one drink. And it's all about managing expectations when it comes to it. It doesn't matter really what you do as long as you manage the expectations of your child. If you take your kid to a baseball game and you only plan on staying to the fifth inning and they don't know that, it's not going to be fun. Well, some yeshivas, uh, some yeshivas uh, have school on Chalamite. I don't believe you. Some of the more modern orthodox I don't believe you. Yeshivas, I think, I think you'll find, uh, I could be wrong, but I think Flappish Yeshiva. No way. Yeshiva of Flappish? Yeah, I don't believe I it. I think so. No way. I think some of the other schools they'll teach they'll teach them a good lesson. We need someone to fact check that. <laughs> they'll teach them. They'll teach them if that's if that's true. In fact, then um, they'll teach the, those kids a good lesson. I'm managing expectations, uh, big time. They go on one ride. And what did we do, Cholamite? When I was, I mean, what, what, I then like growing up for you, what what did you do as a kid, Cholamite? I don't know. It depends on what you time of year it came out. I don't. Not, no, no big. Nothing. Nothing special. Really, as far as I can remember, I know. I told you about the Yankee game a couple of uh, days ago. Which we yeah, went you went to, to a Yankee game. That was Chalamite Pesach. Um, Chalamite Sukkot, I don't have any specific um, I think memory. I, listen, I have to tell you something. My, my father used to go to work on Chalamite, believe it or not. Some people have to go to work I mean, on uh, Chalamite. Many people do. You know? many, but your my father worked for a Yiddish newspaper. Fa- yeah, and, but, the, but it was a weekly newspaper. It came out every week, no matter what. It came out every week. And no, in, those, in the early, early days, he worked. Uh, you know, one, one day we'll have to talk about the history of Yiddish newspapers in New York. The Yiddish newspapers in New York that he worked at uh, used to publish seven days a week, including the, Saturday. The, the Morning Tug? The Day Morning Journal. The, they, the morning tug. There was used to be two newspapers: the tug and the morning show. Rabbi Wawa Jacobson's father, Gershon. And then the tug. Then the tug. Yeah, was then, the, they, then they merged. They the get the name morning, right. Yes, the one was the tug, which means the day, and was the, one was the morning journal, which is the morning journal. Okay, and then they published seven days a week. Hello, knock knock. Are you there listening to me? I am. They published Saturday also. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. They published seven days. They a weren't. Week. They weren't a Jewish. It wasn't, it wasn't no. They, it was. It was happens to be a news in Yiddish. That's who are they catering to? Yiddish speaking people. Yiddish, who are not Jewish. Yiddish. No. They, of course they're Jewish. They're just not necessarily uh, Shomer Shabbos. Not observant. You don't know what's going on in this how country. How many Yiddish? How many Yiddish? Yiddish you know, speaking you know Jews are bringing today. To, you know, Nachi. You're talking about today's yesterday's reality and today's standards. They don't. They don't mesh well. Okay. The, the Yiddish speaking uh, refugees from Europe in America, came here. A lot of them may have come from Shomer Shabbos families, but when they came to America, they left all that behind. Uh. You know, some of the... So, so the fact that they spoke Yiddish had nothing to do with their level of of, of observance. Absolutely not. Nowadays, I think it does reflect more of a uh, level of observance. So one of the roles my father, uh, Rabbi Nissen Gordon, played in Jewish journalism, which he started working for in the... Uh, I think in the early 40s, one of the things he negotiated was for the religious organizations to come into the paper on the condition that the paper stops publishing on Shabbos. Mm -hmm. And that's what he accomplished, and that's how it was for many decades. Beautiful. Until all those papers went broke, 
the Day Morning Journal went uh, bankrupt, Belly had to close, up. and after that, the Algemeine Journal opened up. Do you know that um, the other day I was davening Shacharis by uh, Base Bayrish, and very f- it's it's an obs- it's an obscure location. You know, it's in the back of someone's house. Yeah. It's a beautiful shul, really beautiful. Uh, but they uh, it's it's an obscure location. The guys that come around collecting don't know about it. A few guys know about it. A guy comes in with a long gray beard. Okay, mm-hmm. he's going around collecting whatever people are giving him. Dollar, two dollars, five dollars, whatever it is. And I gave him. I didn't have singles. Right. I, I I gave the guy ten dollars. I gave him a ten dollar. Wow, what a career! And he was very excited. What he a was Very excited about it. He says he wants to shake my hand, give me a bracha. What's my name? I told him my, my name is Gordon. And you know what he said? He said to me, "You are you relative of Nissen Gordon? Uh, I used to when I was. I'm from Williamsburg, but I used to read him when I was a young man. Huh. You know. So I said, yeah, then Nissen Gordon was my father." And he was like doing uh, like a backflip. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know. So I, I almost felt like it was like a preemptive uh, type of calling card yeah. from uh, somewhere uh, somewhere up there. Saying a good a good yontif. Um Transitioning to our next topic, something that I uh, that happened over yontif. Maybe you walked into Shulyam Kipper and you heard people talking about it. Maybe not. It depends where you dive in. Aaron Judge hit a sixty-second home run. Which on is Yom Kippur night. On Yom Kippur night, which on which is a you know, which is sort of the record breaking home run. It's the AL leading uh, home run. But you know what? I had a discussion with someone about this. I'm not sure where I stand. But like Barry Bonds hit over 70 home runs. Mark yes. McGuire hit over 70 yeah, home runs. But, I think Sammy Sosa did. But those guys, of course, cheated. They, were, they took they were, steroids. They were steroids, right? So, but the question is, like, does did the MLB wipe those clean? I don't know. Anyways, it's not a sports podcast. It's not. It's not for this platform. But. The question I did have is, you know, 38,000 people are in the stadium in Texas where the Yankees are playing. So one of the last games of the season, everyone's watching out for Aaron Judge to hit this record-breaking home run. The person who catches this home run ball, it's well, it's worth well over $2 million. And the ball goes to left field to the first row. And a guy with a baseball glove caught the ball. Of okay. course, security escorted him out right away because right. we don't want any issues. Right. And now he's getting offers of $2 million, $3 million. He can get up to $6 million for this baseball that he caught. It happens. So it happens to be that this person who caught the ball uh, manages a $197 billion hedge fund. So I don't think he really is, you know, needs the money as much as maybe other people in that area who could have caught the ball. But the question, you know, was in my head, what would happen if a Yid, if a Jewish person with a yarmulke caught this baseball? Well, he wouldn't. Probably was not going to be in the Texas Stadium on Yom Kippur night. It's true, but what well, if what, what if the game was on Cholamid um, and uh, and and you have uh, well, Shmuley Schwartz well, from from no, from well, Flatbush who's in Texas for for Friantif catches this ball. He couldn't have caught it because he would have had a snack in his hands, and you would have had a hot dog. You're saying he would have had, or, or a cup of water, <laughs> a cup of soda with uh, something from the kosher stand. But just dream with me for a second. <laughs> He caught the ball. Well, first of all, I think you misread the story because I saw it also this morning in the post. Um, I well, think, I read it online. So I think I think I, I think it was a non-Jewish guy. It was that, a Jewish who caught, caught it. it. I didn't and, say he was Jewish. The, the hedge fund, the hedge fund wants to buy it from him for two million dollars. No, 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 no. He managed it. I, no, I believe I saw. No, anyway. there was another memorabilia company that wants to buy it for over two million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. so happens to manage a hedge fund well, that, that, worth one hundred ninety-seven billion dollars. I didn't catch that, but I did catch that. 
the question was discussed this morning on Fox News. What's the tax rate on that? It's a 37% tax rate. If on memorabilia? On two, on, it's income. If you make $2 million, this guy could have Even in Texas? In the United States of America, federal taxes. On anything 30, you sell? What does that no, mean, 37% at, at, at tax? That, at that income rate, oh my it's gosh. 37%. You know so what? I don't know what you should do. Uh, that's, uh, what would you do? That's a lot of money. That's seven hundred. That's $700,000 in taxes. So he walks away with uh, $1.3 million. I think you should do it in cash, maybe. and <laughs> just. Yeah, I think you should sell it in cash. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Hope the IRS oh, isn't you listening. Should, you should go to what? You go to Lakewood and sell it for cash? Somewhere? Maybe. Do it by the Ira Minim shuck. <laughs> What would you uh, do if you caught the ball? What would I do? Uh, I don't know. I would sell it for the $2 million probably. Yeah? Yeah. You just here, $2 million, have a good what day. Do need, what do I need? A, uh, first of all, I have baseballs at home You know that are worth a lot of money. You know, we have... I, I, have, one si- I have one signed by Hank Aaron. So I, Hank Aaron, who holds... Do you holds, have that ball? You know, well, I think you know, our, our, your son, my brother, Dovey... I think you had two baseballs signed yes, by Hank I Aaron, yeah. and Dovey like traded it for a pack of Twizzlers one day in school. No, not Twizzlers. For another baseball signed by a guy that was like cut right away. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? <laughs> the guy had a career in single A ball. Why would I don't he, remember the guy's name. Why would he do that? I don't know. Maybe he thought the guy had a good potential mm, for the future. That didn't pan but out. But I have one Hank Aaron uh, ball, and, and and I don't know what it's worth. We we're waiting for Hank Aaron to die, which he did last year, by the way. You still have it. Yeah, sure. You got to really find it. I don't, I, I'm sure your mother knows where it is. I'm sure she know. does. I used to have a lot of, you know, I used to have a lot of baseball cards that would have been worth a lot of money. Yeah, but? But, of course, once I left the house, once I got married and left, and I had all these boxes of baseball cards, my mother threw them all out. Uh, and that's why baseball cards are worth so much money, because they're rare. Because mothers throw them mother out. Because everyone's mother threw them out. <laughs> so if everyone's mother would have thrown them out, everybody would have a Mickey Mantle card. Sure. I see cards in the newspaper you know, Mickey Mantle, I, that card, I see it's worth today, you know, $18,000. I had that card. I know I had that card. Well, I listen, remember that card. that's why A.B. Romberg wrote the song about Joe DiMaggio, you know? But, Rebuilt you know, the yeshiva. All the Jewish mothers throw out their kids' baseball cards. Well, the lesson to the Jewish moms. Please, they can't, they please. Can't, they can't wait to throw the cards out. Please stop throwing out the baseball cards. Um, so I wonder, and you're saying you would sell it for $2 million. Uh, Listener, what do you think? You can comment on YouTube. You could also send us a message on WhatsApp, 516-668-7800. If you have any submissions of videos that you want to be featured over Cholamite, Sukkah, stuff, mm-hmm. go ahead and send us a video. We'll feature it here in the Daily Thread. Got a new um, number? Got a new number? It's, so it's one of the Meaningful Minute phones. 668? So, uh, 516-668-7800. Or you might be subscribed already to 516-668-3725. We have two different lines because Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of people subscribed. Right. Um, right. So just winding down this episode, we have a couple of news stories that are worth mentioning. In Hanover... Uh, in Germany, Nachdem in Einer Synagogue in Hanover, I'm Huxton. I'm reading it in read it Yiddish right now. I don't know why. Let me just get to the English part of the website. Um, a broken window interrupted the final moments of Yom Kippur services in Hanover, Germany, unsettling a Jewish community on edge because of prior attacks during the holiday. It was unclear late Wednesday exactly what had happened at the Orthodox synagogue in the northern part of Germany. Um, officials are investigating. No one was hurt in the incident. Like, come on. You're in Germany. It's Kolnid. It's 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 Yom Kippur. People are throwing rocks your window. I don't I don't know. It just it's like, what is going on? Well, listen. The criminality is uh, is widespread and growing. Like if um, any of our, you know, if, if if let's say Bubby, our my my grandmother, who's kind of in her nineties, who grew up in Poland and survived the war, if she were to hear that. There's Jews davening in a shul in Germany, and someone came and broke a window. She would say, "Get out of there now!" You know, like leave. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know who's living in Hanover, Germany. I, I doubt if it's natives. It's probably people that moved from other um, countries. A lot of a lot of Russian Jews didn't want to go to Israel. They went to Germany uh, to you know because there was opportunities there. Um, I don't know. They didn't want to deal with the restrictions. Is um, I don't know halakhically whether they're Jewish or not. They didn't want to, have to deal with that that struggle. So there's big, there's tens of thousands of uh, Jews that are have Russian roots that are living in Germany today. Plus, of course, uh, you know, people of German ancestry uh, that are there and from other countries too. I don't know. It scares me a little bit, but um, I hear what you're saying. Um, and in other news, there is someone to say to Hillam for. There is a uh, story about that I see on Yeshiv World, uh, severely, someone who's severely injured in the Marone tragedy a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he contracted COVID. Elazar yeah. Berger, who is 13 years old, who's the youngest injured victim in Marone, is transferred to a hospital where a team of doctors fought for his life in the trauma room and succeeded in stabilizing him after Marone. Um, a- after, however, he still can't breathe on his own and he just contracted COVID. Uh, his name to daven for is Elazar Ben Romach, uh, it's R A U M A H, um, and people should should daven for him. You should say some tehillim. Yeah, and that is really all the stories I have for today. I think we're gonna go ahead and try to pump out another episode for Friday morning, even though we generally don't. But it's just a crazy schedule. Yantif, Yantif, right. Yantif, yeah, right. Shabbos, everything. Um, thank you so much for listening to this daily thread. Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, no, I think that's it for, for today's longer, longer episode. For sure. Discuss. I don't know how long it's run, but it's definitely a longer episode today. Okay. But we had to cover a lot. That's just the nature a lot, of the business. Uh, there's a lot more. Um, you know, that's how it works with ideas. Ideas yeah. are always create and give birth to other ideas, yeah. especially when you're having a conversation with Absolutely. somebody. So those who are listening, make sure to like this video on YouTube. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear what you think. Uh, you know, you told me that this is all the rated Jewish uh, it, it was podcast. number Yeah, it was number one last Spotify week. Spotify. How many are being rated? Hundreds. Hundreds? So how do we manage after four episodes to be number one? You know, the other one's that good? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope. I, I think the Meaningful Minute ones are very good, you know? Yeah, meaningful why, people, is this, why is this one number one? I think it's I think it's like a daily thing, you know. People the other ones aren't daily. No, most other. I don't think there's any other. I don't know of any other Jewish daily podcast. I think there is maybe one that does like daily Jewish thought. Is that why you wanted to do a daily? I think that there's value in speaking about the things that are happening each day in the Jewish world. You Listen, know, you know, every day is very valuable. Exactly. Every day. Yeah. That's the story. Anyways, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave a rating on Apple, Spotify. Leave a review. We'd love to see what you think about this podcast. Of course, if you have any feedback, you can go ahead and email the daily thread at meaningfulminute.org. That's the daily thread at meaningfulminute.org. We'd love to see your feedback. And um, we'll be back at you with another episode pretty soon. Have a great day. Have a great day.